Welcome to the Score and I podcast, where we bring you the best Irish league discussion each week. To find out about future shows, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at the Score and I. Now it's time for this week's program. This is Carl the Jackal Frampton. Hi, this is David Healy. Hello, this is Stephen Ferris. Hi, I'm Bethany Ferris. Hi, this is Joey Barton. I'm Jonas Gutierrez. Hi, this is Harry Kuehl. And you're listening to The Score. The Score with Michael Clark. Hello and welcome along to The Score live on Lisburn's 98FM and Bangor FM with me, Michael Clark, Me, Colin Hopkins. And our special guest today, Corian's very own Aaron Trainer. Aaron, welcome to the studio. Thanks for having me, boys. Great to have you here. And the big breaking news today, the news that Northern Ireland fans were dreading, is now official. Michael O'Neill is the new manager of Stoke City. And in a rather extraordinary deal that has been struck between both parties, he will also remain as Northern Ireland manager for the two final qualifying games of the group stage and any remaining playoffs that might follow. What are your thoughts on that? The initial question, what happens if Northern Ireland do qualify for Euro 2020? Will he stay on then? Will they find a replacement in time? We want your views today. The news, the breaking news, Michael O'Neill is the new manager of Stoke City. What do you think of that decision to leave Northern Ireland for Stoke City? And what do you think of the deal which will see him remain in charge of the remaining group games and any subsequent playoff matches for this competition? All that and more right here today on The Score. Score with Michael Clark. Yes, yeah, massive breaking news, and we definitely want to hear your views on that. So, how do you do that? It's dead simple. The score and I on Facebook and on Twitter. And uh, as I say, our, our special studio guest is Aaron Trainer. Um, Aaron, I just want to ask you your thoughts on that as, as a footballer. Uh, imagine yourself in, in the Northern Ireland squad's position. You've just heard your manager will be leaving. Uh, how do you react to that? It's a tough one. Um, two massive, massive qualifiers for Northern Ireland coming up, and and to hear that sort of news, it, it's going to be tough for the players to take. The good thing is, it looks like he's going to take the last two games, so that's that's the positive that I would take out for it. What happens after that, they'll they'll just have to they'll just have to take sort of steps towards it. What do they do um, after the qualifiers? But first and foremost, they need to get themselves through to the Euros. What is that like as a player when you when you get? Uh you get word that your manager is leaving. Is it a bit of a surreal one? Is that does the WhatsApp group go mad or what, what's it like? It's weird. It's actually when you look at it, Northern Ireland would probably be similar position to Coleraine when Oren left. Where very rarely your manager will leave when everything's going great. So for us, I think we played Crusaders last game on Sky Sports and, and Oren left during the week and the change room. Everyone's depleted. Everyone's going like, where do we go from here? Can you can you get the the standards that we're at? And you start to question. Are we going to be able to kick on from here? So it is going to be a challenge for Northern Ireland. But listen, they have two big, big games coming up and, and I wish them all the best. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting time indeed. Um, let's talk about you now, shall we? It, it's great to see you back playing football. I mean, it is not exaggerating to say it was a very serious injury you suffered. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it was tough, very, very tough actually. I've probably talked it down a wee bit where personally it, it got to me emotionally. Um, I struggled throughout the, the first few months. We were going quite well in the league. Um, I was just looking at the league table, looking at the fixtures, looking at the results, and, and you're not a part of it. Like You are sort of outcasted at that stage. You're, you're no use. You can't play. So you're the forgotten man, and, and it took me a few months to, to get over it. And, and once I did, um, thankfully, I hit the, hit the ground run in January, started my rehab, and, and I'm, I'm back playing. And that is the thing that it's it can be such a lonely experience when you're on the sidelines. There is nothing like playing, and as soon as you're not able to train as well, it can, I'm sure it does get very sort of very lonely, very isolated. Hundred percent. That's that's where you need your friends, your family, um, even the players and coaching staff at Corian. To be fair, they they really looked after me. Um, surgery was done and dusted within a few weeks. Um, physio and stuff was always contacting me and and stuff like that. So I did have support. Um, that's what probably got me through it in the end and, and then as you say the light at the end of the tunnels get back on the pitch playing in front of supporters and, and, and winning games and I mean doing your ACL I mean if you're going to get an injury let's do it right that's <laughs> that, I'm sure that wasn't fun I'd done it against Glenavon it was a strange one um, normally when people do ACL they're down on the ground and they're crying they're screaming and everything else but we played Glenavon and it was a, it was actually a, it was a tough tough afternoon for us we were beat 4-1 and, and I'd done the ACL during the game and, and played on. I trained on the Tuesday. Um, I kept telling the physio, like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I want to play on Saturday. And, and then on the Thursday night, he says, listen, I, I just, I'm feeling around your knee and you're reacting to a few things here. I want you to get a scan. So I set out the Nuri game on the Saturday, took the scan on the Monday, and, and that was my season over. So, strange one. I mean, that is incredible. I've never heard of someone playing through an ACL <laughs> injury before. Yeah. It's one of I don't know if it was severe as, as most, but um, it was an ACL injury nonetheless. So it was just a matter of do I get the surgery or, or do I take the second option, which is just do the rehab without the surgery. And at my age, only a few years left, I was like, I'll get the surgery and do the right thing. So thankfully, I'm in a good place at the minute and, and hopefully it continues. How much of that was you managing pain? Because obviously, you say you play on through the game, you're, you're trying to tell the physio and everybody that listen, look, I, I'm fine, I'm fit. Did you know that you were lying at that stage or were you just totally in denial? A 4 1, I didn't want to throw the talent. I'd see if I had to come off of like, it was like 30 minutes left or 40 minutes left, I think. Um, and I remember it happening. And I was sort of going to myself, I can't come off. If, it, if we're winning 4-1, it might have been a different story. So I battled through, we tried to get back in the game, it didn't happen. And then I felt maybe I need to train Tuesday, I need to make up for, for the defeat on Saturday. And, and if anything, I've probably done myself more damage. But like I said, it, it, it is, it's done and dusted. I'll probably not do it again. I'll probably take the ways option and come off the next time. So fingers <laughs> crossed. Well, well, I obviously hope there isn't the next time and I'm sure Colin will agree with me on that. <laughs> um, but... Coming back then, I mean, just how good does that feel to, to, to be on the team sheet, to be in that dressing room and know, right, I'm, I'm actually playing again, proper game? It's it's surreal. Like it, People only think it's just Irish League, like it's not that big of a deal. But for me, it's massive. It's it's everything I've, when I was younger, I lived up to and, and I watched the highlights every single week. And f- to be a part of it, like I'm, I'm not going to lie, it, I, I love it. Like it, it, it's brilliant for me, and and even my mum and all, she goes to the games. So, even at my age, mum's still going to the games, and even the family and all stuff can come up. But where where I sort of get injured, I get injured when just basically when Rodney just came in, um, and I didn't really play under Rodney. So, and we didn't have a great season. Let's be honest, we didn't have a good season that year, and 
now that I've come back, it seems like Owen's just come back, and it's just like the perfect fit for me personally. Everyone else obviously has played away, but for me, I've come back, Owen's come back, and it's just like fast forward from like two seasons ago, and and we're, we are doing well in the league with a great start, and and we're still in the cup, so long may it continue. I know it, it must be like night and day in terms of everything that was happening, you know, this time last year versus where you are this season. Um, Oren Kearney, let's talk about him. People, and I mean, and probably I had this thought when he was did a brilliant job at St. Mirren when he was coming home. I was thinking, should he be hanging on, waiting for another job to come? He, you know, he's good enough. Wasn't sure whether coming back was the right decision for him. I, I'll be honest, <laughs> he's proved me wrong. Anyone else that's thought that, he's done amazing. Um, what is it about him that has been able to take a squad which underperformed last season? Obviously, there's been a few changes as well, and get them to where you are now. Personally speaking, I think Owen probably could have got another job, maybe in Scotland or I, I don't know to be honest, but I think he could have got another professional job. Um, for him to come back, I I I don't know the main reasons behind it, but I'm guessing family. Um, he did have his job to come back to as well, so. It it sort of was a perfect fit to come back to Coleraine and just reassess his career and and obviously we can we we get the benefits from having him. Um, manager ways, it, it's oh, you ask this question so many times. What makes what makes Coleraine so good under Oren Kearney? Um, I actually don't know. His his leadership skills would be one. His man to man management. It's just he gets the best of the boys. Like you look at a couple of people from last year, this year, the likes of Owen Bradley. Um, even Ben Dockery, like they're just going levels up and up and up, and it's hard to to say how Orange doing it, but I don't know what it is. I really don't. It's just he, he he's he's brilliant at what he does. He's a man manager. He's best out there. One of the things that always strikes me is, I mean, he's he's universally popular. I think that's fair to say. Everyone has nice things to say about Orange mm-hmm. Kearney. He conducts himself so very well, but um, maybe the side that the the general person won't see is that he does have that. Uh, steely determined side and I mean you're not going to cross the boss he, he is capable of flicking that switch and, and you'll know that better than me 100% um, going back the very first game I played under Orn um, we played away to Dungannon and you're talking about flicking the switch and stuff very rarely will you see him get annoyed or very rarely will you see him have a storm or wave but we played the first game away to Dungannon um, and he didn't start me the next game and I was like flip me I'm at a new team <laughs> everything's going alright here we won our first game and he didn't play me. He just says, listen, I'm not happy with the way you played. Um, I don't want you doing certain things that you have. You might have bad habits from other clubs and stuff like that. And, and he had a talk with me and I sat on the bench for the next two games. I wasn't happy. I was starting to think, is the travelling going to be worth it here if I'm going to be on the bench for the rest of the season? And slowly, surely, I got myself back in. And and, and I've got my, I've racked up my appearances and, I, and I've done all right under him. So <laughs> he did. He, when, he has, when he has to pull you aside and, and talk to you and say, listen, I'm not happy, he will do it. But it's always positive. It's always you don't think he's putting you down. It's always for the steps ahead or the future. He, he knows he's going to get the best out of you. Had you ever had anything like that in your career? Because you played under plenty of good managers. Someone pulling you aside and going, "Look, here's the problems I have with you. You need to fix them." We're talking. Me and Colin were talking about previous Lisburn Stillery managers that I had played under. Um, I played under quite a few. Um, played under Paul Kirk. Played under Jimmy Brown. Played under. Um, Tim McCann and Tommy Wright all shy fellas <laughs> <laughs> and I'd say probably at a no surprise the, the top boyer who, who gave me a stormer was, was Tommy Wright <laughs> Tommy Wright used to ring me on a on a Friday night 
um, tell me I was playing the next day and he, he talked to me on the phone for half an hour asked me what I've had what I'm doing wow. um, he just didn't make because he knew I was, I was when I was younger I, I was silly like I had a I'd have stayed out late and stuff and no, not really prepared properly. I didn't think it was that big of a deal playing Irish League until now, I obviously have waist up. But back then, I remember we played Ballymena and it was first game of the season. I don't know if you remember, Colin. We were beat 3 or 4 1. Um, Tommy was in my face that close. He started spitting all over <laughs> me and I was like, Tommy, get in my face. So uh, even at a young age, he, he just treated me like everyone else and that was that was my big wake-up call day, actually. Big Tommy Wright spitting all over my face. <laughs> Here, I know because I don't think anyone... I know what people always talk about Fergie's hairdryer and all this sort of thing, but Tommy Wright, uh, uh, if you want to call it hairdryer treatment, I think he was pretty good at it, wasn't he? Colin, you know as much as more as me. I think you get a hurting given off to the team from about half a mile away, to be honest. You know? <laughs> Tommy was... But Tommy, look look what he's done. That's that's the thing. Like people will say, he, he, he sort of he is a bit of a, like a shooter and stuff like that there. And he, and he, but he rails you up for games. And and to be fair, he took distillery till a, a good sort of position. We went on to win the league cup final. I think we secured a couple of top six places as well. Yeah. And obviously financially for the club, that was brilliant. And now I'm here. He's he's touting to be one of the leading candidates for Northern Ireland. So, listen, he's shooting and balling, got on places, and he and he's doing really really well for himself. And I'm glad to see. Oh, he's, he's definitely been successful in his career, and we we wish him all the best. It'll be interesting to see who um, does emerge as uh, the front runner for that Northern Ireland job. And we'll be speaking more about that um, after two o'clock. So do keep your messages coming in on Facebook and Twitter about that. Um, Aaron, if we we kind of take you back, you were talking about when you were. You know, growing up, you always looked at the Irish League and thought, "I'd love to, I'd love to play in some capacity." I mean, where did that come from? Who was taking you to your early games, and who did you support? I don't. I've never really supported anyone, but it was just when I where I live. I live in in West Belfast, and and the local team would be Donegal Celtic. And at the time, they were actually not doing too badly. When I was sort of coming fourteen, fifteen, just coming through, and I knew I wasn't going to be good for England or good enough for England or Scotland or whatever. So. That's where I started putting my focus on Irish League, and I would have attended games, even Clibbonville, even Linfield games, just local games, and and seeing the crowds there and and the passion that that other players players had, and even the name one like Glenn Ferguson, like used to go and watch boys like him scoring week in week out on the highlights, and and lucky enough I was actually able to play with Spike in the in his last season playing football, so they they were all the baby steps towards me sort of coming um, to like the Irish League, and and thankfully I've actually been able to play in it. You mentioned there about playing with Spike, obviously I was still in there his last season. What was he like to play as, as a player, play with as a player? Scary. Um, I played, my first ever game was Nuri. Only come on the last 10 minutes, Pat McShane was sent off and we won 2-1. So I was thinking to myself, Pat McShane sent off and does, does he play me in the next game? We're away to Korean, sure, surely he won't play me. I have no minutes on my belt. Maybe get one of the experienced boys and shuffle them over. And uh, he did play me that night, and, and Spike was playing up front, and, and we won 1 0 up at Corian, actually. And that night, I think he scored his 563rd goal or something, do you know what I mean? To break some sort of record. I don't know if he went third or second in the list, but he's he just a man mountain up top, ball stuck, and, and when it stuck, it, you, you were getting on the end of things, and, and stuff was starting to open up. And his goal scoring record's just. It's frightening. It was just a joy to play with him. And that was right at the end of his career. So exactly. You, know. so you think what he was doing when he was at Linfield, but he yeah. was just him, Peter Thompson. Just you, you couldn't get close to him. Yeah. Unbelievable. I know. And that season, actually, um, you're talking about that was when I started getting into commentary properly as well. And I was I was going and shadowing other commentators and doing all that stuff you do when you're starting out and just in the stands watching. And he was playing, and I, the game I went to, he scored in. 
um, which I think might have been against Oma Town, I want to say. Um, so hopefully I'm remembering that one right. But uh, just even then you're going, what a smashing player. So to be on the pitch alongside him, what a, what a great luxury when you know you've someone of his ilk there, just guaranteed goals. I know what you think about it. Like people would aspire to get 560 odd appearances, <laughs> never mind goals. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, great point. I don't, I don't know how many seasons he played, but if you average it out, you're talking at least 20 goals a season, nearly to every single more than that, probably 30, 40 goals a season. And will, will those records, or will he be touched in the next few years? I highly doubt it, but I'm hoping someone breaks through, like Joe Gormley and stuff, even as a good as career Joe's had he's only on 200 and when I say only 200 <laughs> I'm comparing it to Spike so when you look at Spike's record honestly it, it will be hard to beat when you when you look back at it mind you Joe Gormley's going to say well I, I had some time across the water there I had an injury in there he, you know it's his his record's scary and goodness knows how long he'll play for you if he plays for another few years he'll you might be knocking on that door he, he's some finisher himself um, I think we're the same age Aaron am I right in saying you're 29 don't be saying it too loud are <laughs> you <laughs> no, serious because, because, because some people might have thought you were a wee bit older when you started talking about only a couple of years left in me you're, you're not on the third yet we're not saying that big dreaded 3-0 uh, just yet um, ironically enough last year we uh, no two years ago because we had a good season the, the Korean we won the Irish Cup and we finished second there was a couple of wee supporters no way give out the supporters sort of trophies the yeah. player of the year and I was nominated for Young Player of the Year and I was like 27 <laughs> at the time. <laughs> and the votes were going on and the votes were going on. It was like a social media thing so you could see who was getting all the votes. And um, <laughs> the chairman's son, Luke McKendry, was, was writing to me. He would have known some of the supporters and he was like, uh, you're winning this poll here? And I was like, well, just say nothing to no one. <laughs> and I got this stage where they were finally going to announce who won and it was me. And uh, someone <laughs> then obviously had the check note of date of birth just yeah. to make sure. And whispers got about that it was twenty seven. So oh, I, I got I got to take off me. So thanks for bringing up my age. I'll not get another contract off for now. Thankfully, <laughs> those baby looks. That's what's yeah. You'll not get any more uh, young player of the year awards. Uh, no. Uh, what I, I, I this is a tongue in cheek question, but I always noticed. Are are you a sun beds man? I, I I was like, is he purposefully always picking teams in a lovely white kit when he's got this beautiful Here tan going? <laughs> I always thought, how how is Aaron Trainer? Is he doing this on purpose? He'll only pick light kits to to show off his complexion. I'll be honest, when I was at Carrick and when I was at like Distillery and Warren Point, I used to go on holidays and all during the season and it was pff, I used to get so much stick for it. And, and now I'm not allowed to go on the holidays according to Orange. So <laughs> I do have to do the occasional sunbed, you know what I mean, when it comes <laughs> into the winter. <laughs> you see? I'm not afraid to say it. You see? Would would Owen Bradley do a sunbed? <sighs> I don't know. Actually, he's got a he's got his wedding coming up. I mm. I'd, I'd sort of keep around. <laughs> Look at the pictures before and after between now and May, and you'll see a difference. Korean fans, I want you to keep an eye on that for me, okay? <laughs> and when you if you see anything, you have to let us know. No, because Carrick Rangers had that all white away kit. Um, obviously, Distillery were all white, and even Korean with the white in their their jersey. And I thought, is he only picking teams here to make his tan look better? Or I, I just have a say in the jerseys. <laughs> that's all it is. <laughs> um, looking uh, through your career, I mean, you've been very fortunate to win a variety of different competitions mm-hmm. um, obviously I would like to win more you always want to win more but at League Cup at Distillery um, a couple of Championship Leagues and Stevenson's and Intermediate and, and one Irish Cup um, and it's fair to say I, I, I wish I had got more but at the same time some people go through their career without any so in a way it, it's you sort of see the good and the bad in, but listen there have a few more years left in me I would love to play in Europe again that's one of the big things I want to play in um, we missed it in that last year. And as you say, we're still in the, the League Cup semi-final. Irish Cups will come in January, so I'm, I'm hoping to add to the, to the collection. How special was the Irish Cup? 
the first game that I thought that that's what it was feel like to be a professional footballer. Really? And I you got like well I don't know what the attendance was if it was between ten and twelve thousand, but it was the atmosphere. Even though it was only twelve thousand, you compared to like England and stuff, it was the atmosphere. It was ninety minutes of just solid singing throughout and shouting and whatever. So, and it was fitting that it was Clevenville. Um It just I don't know. It brought that wee bit of bite to it. There was more of an atmosphere then from both sides and. And even being Clinwell, just a local club to me, and, and knowing players and, and knowing their supporters, I I actually really enjoyed the final. Um, I was glad to to play a part in it. Glad to play a part in one of the, one of the goals as well. So just just one of those days, and it, it was a fitting end, a, a good season. Talking there about trophies, I mean, last time Coleraine won the league was nineteen seventy three seventy four. How big would it be for that club if they could go on and win the league this season? Crazy. Um, they talked about it two years ago. Obviously, yeah. how long it was before we actually won it. Um, if we could win that, like we're talking about getting a new four G pitch and stuff here, and yeah. and a new stand and stuff. So, if you do win the league, it brings that Champions League. If you do win the league, it brings just more supporters and stuff. Obviously, that's miles down the road. And and but but like you said, if, if we could win the league, it just puts puts Korean more on the map. Maybe more players will be attracted to to do the travelling because it is hard travelling, but. I don't know. It, it would be it would be unbelievable for the town itself, this the the board, all the staff, the work that they put in. As you well, as you know, with this distillery, there's a lot of people volunteering to do to do yeah. the dirty work, and yeah. and they need the rewards. They want their days out like the Irish Cup final, and if we they could match with the league, I wouldn't like to see the celebrations for it that way. Plans for the new stadium look really impressive. Very good. Um, I think it's overdue. Being honest, I, I yeah. don't mean that to sound critical. Um. I don't think the pitch is not the best at Coleraine, I'll no. to be honest with you. And uh, not, not, we're not the best team in the world, Like we're not going to blow you away from football, but it does help us. If you look at our record, at even the likes of Windsor or 3G pitches, the likes of Crusaders and Clinville, we've always seen the pick-up results, so yeah. it must, it'll be a good thing if we get the, the 4G in. And not only that, I think the, the club can make some money from it. With the yeah. like, it, It's a big town, very passionate about their football, and, and I can only see it being booked out more or less throughout the week, so... It will be good all around, I think, for us. You should hope my You mentioned there about training or about travelling. Are you travelling up sort of two and three nights a week to travel to train? Then? Tuesday, Thursday. Orn Orn's never done a Monday. Um, we've we've done one or two. I think over the last two years he's done there, and that's just for sort of weight training programs he's put in place. But the Tuesday and Thursday, I went up religiously. Um, we go up. Me, Winky, Josh Carson, um, Aaron Burns used to travel up, and then with a couple of new signings. Um, Nettis, the wee guy up front, came from Anna, and then Alex gone. So we've always had a healthy squad travelling up. So you're, you're never travelling up on your own. You're never bored. There's always boys there with you. Like. Had a commitment, so well done on that. Mm-hmm. So you all have to take turns driving, or is there one mug that always does the driving? Winky usually drives, <laughs> but I, he's getting old. He's starting to fall asleep and all, so I'm having to take over, and Josh Carton's starting to help out. Um, big man needs his rest. He, he's working hard. <laughs> well, I was going to say, you might just say that's your patter if he was here, no? <laughs> Uh, fantastic. I mean, when you when you signed for Corian, did you have any idea of um, just how loyal their fan base was and what it was going to be like to play for them? Because obviously, you know, you're talking about the the drive up. Sometimes people, when you you step out of Belfast, you go, oh wow, different world. When you look at it, even when supporter aspect, when I was at Distillery Carrigan more point, they wouldn't be renowned for having big supporting fan base so when I went to Coleraine I thought outside of Belfast probably same scenario 
Um, and when I joined, it was it was the year where everything was starting to fall in place, and the supporters were coming out in their numbers, and and they literally tried to drag us over the line to win the league, and and unfortunate enough, we weren't we weren't able to repay them. But you can start to see they're actually coming out again. Um, since Orton's come back, the wee bit of momentum's picked up. I think it was three and a half thousand at the at the Linfield game. So as long as they keep coming out, they seem to get the best out of us, and and long may it continue. I mean, that season in itself is one of the most remarkable. To have a run where you lose once and still don't win the league. I I, I know you finish and you have the Irish Cup and, and, and some would say you deserved something to, to have at the end of that season, but Cliftonville fans probably wouldn't and I'd, I'd understand why. But, I mean, how deflating was it in that final day to, to not be able to, to win the league having almost had a perfect season? The last game we went out, Oh, we we didn't we didn't show up against Glenavon. Ah, oh, we didn't show there. up. It was nil nil. Um, we were. I don't know if we were scared or we were holding back, but it was just the fact that the way the result was going with Balamina one nil up. Do you do you stay? Do you take your draw and hopefully they nick something and, and 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 you win the league that way? So it was like a stick or twist, and we didn't know what to do. Being honest. Um, and looking back, that's my biggest regret. Should we have pushed on, saying that Crusaders end up winning, so you wouldn't have won it. But there was a lot of draws in there. Um, we we actually drew a few at the start of this season, and Orange trying to turn them into wins because they they can have the impact that you lose out in the league because of them. So we're we're trying to we're trying to obviously get rid of those mistakes that we made in the draws and, and put them right. I mean that was one of the things that uh, Oren has been saying, and I noticed that in the sort of in the press in the past few weeks where he's saying, look, I'd, I'd rather lose a game than draw a whole series because you, you have to go, let's maximise our points, let's not worry about, oh, a loss, mm-hmm. let's get as many points on the board as possible. And that, with all of his experience, is obviously something that he has looked at from that season and gone, right, we can't, we, we barely made a mistake at all, but if we did, that was the one. That's, that's, it's this league. Um, you make a couple of mistakes and, and you're punished. Teams go on four, five, six game win runs. I think Clinville are on one at the minute, maybe six games in a row. Um, we're on one actually, I think we're on six or seven. So, like you say, if you do drop points, even if you look at Crusaders four weeks ago, five weeks ago, they were four or five points clear and now they're three points behind or whatever. So, you will be punished. We know what the draws against so, sort of so called bottom four, bottom six, whatever way you want to look at it. They're the ones that you really look back on and, and you have regrets for. The, the top teams, you just try and battle away and get your points. But Oren's got that winning mentality into us where we we have to keep going. And the next game is Glenavon. It's tomorrow. Can we get the three points? Who knows? But we're going to try everything we can to get them. I'm sure if someone said to you at the start of the season, look, on the last game of the season, the the car is still going to be parked in Knott's Corner with a Gibson Cup in the back seat and uh, the managing director and Niffle clinging onto it desperately uh, with the doors locked probably I would imagine as well and uh, and you're one of the two teams in the race I'm sure you would have bitten someone's hand off for it would have took it all day like n- no one expected us to be here we didn't expect us to be here let's be honest and, and it was a great occasion um, just f- just for the town again they're all come out in their numbers and like you said I think it's it's one that people will look back on and, and maybe years down the line and, and say what a, what a title race it actually was and it's the, it's the thing every season where I, I need to find new superlatives because every year getting down to the last couple of games I'm going oh, this is like the best season I've ever commentated on I love this <laughs> next year that's even better again and, and now you look at this season and you're going after 14 games Corian top, uh, top of the tree 32 points one point behind them Cliftonville with the same games played uh, then on 28 points you have Crusaders 27 points Linfield they have two games in hand Glentoran on 26 after 14 uh, you know 
it's just crazy. There, there are five teams there that are really making a good fist of it. And it used to be the old, oh, there's two, maybe three. And, and we're seeing that double. The league is getting harder and harder. And you haven't even mentioned Balamina or Lauren, do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and the, the league this year is frightening. Every time you're looking at your fixtures, there's no easy runs. You don't you don't get three or four easy ones where you just turn up and, and get your points. And the talent, the Shane Lavery's coming across, um, ripping it up. There's Bastian Harry in as well, playing for Linfield. And then you've got Lauren as well, getting boys from England. So... It's just making it even better. You're you're seeing the likes of Gavin White playing against the likes of Germany and Holland, and in two years ago, you're you're walking out against them just playing in front of a couple of thousand people. So, it's not that big of a golf. It's not that big of a difference. Um, in terms of the talent, you're seeing the best players in our league going across and doing really well. And listen, as as long as the investments are in five ten years time, who who knows where we could be? I mean, that must be one as well. I hadn't really thought of that for players. You know, on the other side of it, you you've. Been, you've come up against Gavin White in games. Is that a bit of a pinch yourself? And you think, I- I've won 50-50s with him, or I I, I, I dribbled past him one time, or you know, and now you're looking at him and he's playing for Cardiff. I've won my 50-50s. I don't know about dribbling past him, <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. Um, like, he, did they play City? I don't know if they, did Burton Albion play City in the FA Cup. Uh, yeah, uh, or Oxford, yeah, sorry, Oxford, did Oxford, Oxford, Oxford did, yeah, Oxford did, yeah. Yes. And I think he played, and I'm sitting going to myself. I don't know how many months it was, maybe nine months, twelve months before. Going like he he played against me, and now yeah. he's playing against Alexio Aguero and David Silva and everything else. And they are they are bits where you're sort of going like, what what's going on here? And you do pinch yourself, but I I'm really friendly with Gavin. Um, he's he, he is doing really well for himself. I'm so glad to see it. What a talent, by the way, unbelievable for our league and. And he, he deserves everything he gets. And as you say, hopefully a few more. Keep doing it. And uh, one of your former teammates, obviously, that's across the water at the minute, Brad Lyons. Do you, do you keep in touch with him? Brad would be um, flying back over quite regularly. And he goes to our games. And I would keep in touch with him, actually. He's, he's so down to earth, it's unbelievable. Um, he's, he's, Owen actually took him to Samarin. He's done really well at Samarin. And he's, he's just plugging along. And he's trying, to, trying his best to break through Blackburn. So... Wish him all the best. I'd love to see him in a Korean jersey. Not too soon, obviously, but I, I think one day he will come back and play for Korean. I have no doubt about that. Hopefully it's after a, a good career uh, across the water. Tough old ass trying to break into that Blackburn team, but uh, you're right, he did a great job um, with St Marin. Um, looking looking through your career, I mean, what to date, I mean, and you're trying to make yourself sound really old and I'm fighting it because that means I'm old as well. Uh, and Colin's over there feeling very vulnerable with this conversation. So Feeling very, very old. <laughs> I was like, 1970, what was that? I've never... No, no, the 90s were where it's at. Um, in terms of looking through your career, what are some of your favourite moments? Obviously, the Irish Cup final, you're saying, is the the cherry on the top of the cake at the moment, and understandably so. What else would you sort of say are, are moments that just stick with you? I'd say my first game... Um, even under Tommy at the time, just uh, as a young kid coming through, and it was a wake up call for me because I, I don't know if you know, but even through I'd say the first five years of me playing Irish League, I've always had a a bad attitude. Um, going on holidays, booking holidays, not taking it seriously, turn up the training, just going through the motions, maybe not even coming up the train at all and working instead. And and until I really got the Korean, that's where I've really dug my teeth into it and, and really wised up basically and matured and. And I don't know if it's the own fact there again and, and stuff like that, but I've never stepped out of line. And, and it's looking back at highlights, let me think. Um, the first game, the League Cup final with the Stillery, um, European games, something about the European games. 
and the Irish Cup, obviously. But the Who'd Europe, you come up against in Europe? Europe, oh, no big, big household names. That, that's the only downfall. Um, played a team at Hogesand, the Norwegian team. Yeah, we've seen them. And Spartak Subotiga, the Serbian team. And it was good going to Serbia. I liked it. It was good. Like, you know the country. It's very hostile and stuff. And obviously there wasn't as many supporters you would get that like the Wolves and Crusaders. Hold well on, is that what you liked about it? <laughs> <laughs> there was something about it that was very... Very scraps in the middle of Subaru. So... <laughs> <laughs> it was very traditional. You want to see it. Like, it was all like underground change rooms and stuff. And oh, then, wow. No, you've, traditionally when you go abroad, um, you get the running track and stuff. I don't know. I just had that Europa League feeling. Yeah. Um, and it was good to play in. The Hogasan game wasn't good to play and it was 7-0 thumping <laughs> and they had this wee tune every time they scored there was a fella saying go 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 and it must have just <laughs> rung the whole 90 minutes that's what it felt like so um, like someone strung him up with this exactly so there I was meant to be a headache but that, it was my first European game um, and the European games for me are like now the games where it feels like a professional game and you've always wanted to be a professional footballer no matter who you are if you play football you want to be a professional and they're the only things that I can grasp onto and look back on and go that's when I actually felt like a professional footballer for one day I mean and the thing is as well Huggison were training twice as much a week as, as you are and, and there was a, a very professional setup there which I, because I did the game at uh, the Coleraine Showgrounds which I think was scoreless uh-huh. Um you know, like Corian seven 0 down from the first leg. <laughs> <laughs> What's the story going to be tonight, Michael? Um, and after the game, Brad Lyons' first ever radio interview. Actually, now that I'm just remembering that. But I was talking to one of the Norwegian journalists, and he was like, "Oh, and uh, they pl- they train three four nights a week." And I was like, "No, <laughs> no, no, they've all full time jobs, mate. This is this is what they do after work." They and were, he couldn't believe it. They were mid season as well. I think yeah. just the way the Scandinavians club workers so. They were they were flying fit, they were they were strong and, and Horn actually before I don't know if it was before the game or the day before the game. He's doing the you know the tactics and stuff and he was talking about their team and he turned around to basically a back four and he says, Listen, they've two strikers, they've no real pace and all, so just keep a high line, everything should be grand. So we went out going, right, they've no pace here, lovely, it'll suit all us. And the uh, next thing, after about 15, 20 minutes, it was like the red arrows flying across. <laughs> and it was 3-0 up, and we looked around at Orn as if, like, come on here, yeah. big man, give us a chance. <laughs> I think that's the only thing Orn's ever got wrong, but uh, when you look back, it was it was 7-0 thumping, like, so oh. it wasn't too good. No, I, I remember um, one of the foreign papers contacted me before Palomino played in Europe the same season, and they were like, you know, in Palomino, I'll give our boys a real game. They're always really respectful, you know, the international press, because they don't know anything about the Irish League, so they assume it's Europe, it's always going to be hard, and, like, We've seen this season, the standard in our league is improving, the performances in Europe are improving and hopefully that continues to grow and and maybe the powers that be put things in place to make that easier. But, um, you know, I was like, oh yeah, Paul, I mean, I'll give you a great game. And I think they had a, a pretty tough time of it as well that season. And, and look, it's it's just a few full-time professional footballers training more and you've more resources. It stands to reason that first of all, they're going to be fit and um, you might be able to afford some really good players as well. What, I, what do you think, Colin? I think when people... Especially the the teams in in Europe get get drawn away to Northern Ireland teams. Sort of, they assume because Northern Ireland the country's doing well that yes. the the league standard yeah. must be just right behind it. Yeah. And when you look at England, Scotland, that's where it is, and that there's a sort of there's a it's it's parallel. If you're a good country, your your league's usually well doing well. But with Northern Ireland, we've probably the biggest golf out there. Um, don't know what's your opinion on it. Yeah, yeah, probably not far off that. I mean. They sometimes assume that because the Northern Ireland team is doing well, it's full of local league players, which is obviously not the case because no. nobody's involved on that side of it. Um, so, yeah, but I would say they'll do the research quite well. 
they'll come fully prepared against them against any of the Irish League slides. So, but as I've said there, they are improving year on year. So hopefully we can continue that. Mm-hmm. I thought you mentioned there about going to Slovenia. Slovenia, or I call them Slovenia. It's probably not the pronunciation there. But um, I remember the Whites went to Zestafoni a lot of years ago, and we were greeted with the guys with machine guns coming off the plane, put on the coach with machine guns. Was this in Belfast? This, no, this is Zestafoni. Oh, sorry. So did you have anything to get there when you got to Serbia? Was it? That's what it was. That, that's what I was trying to say. So, when when we got on the bus, there was I think it was police cars, police um, motorbikes. But it was like a, it was like a heavy. You, you thought it was like a, <laughs> no, like superstars coming here in yeah. the town, or no, yeah. like a big singer or whatever. And we were sort of I was caught back, bad as if no. Usually there's police around if there's trouble. Like police were only here the martial <laughs> trouble, so we were yeah. going like, "Why is there police?" So like, literally, we were on the motorway, <laughs> and you thought the president was coming into town, and yeah. it felt really weird. And then when we got off the bus and stuff, there there was police there, and and it was just a wee tunnel into like a wee dark, dingy changing rooms, and and it just it, I don't know, it was it was it was very hostile. I love that. Is it Adele? No, it's our trainer. Winky Murphy. I think I remember. I didn't actually make the trip to Zestoni, but I think the players told me when they got back was that before the game, you know, in terms of you know any food or anything they got there, everybody got the worst possible. The food was disgusting. Nobody could eat it, and uh, it just they were just treated weren't treated very well. As soon as the game was over and they had one comfortably, the best of food came out on the table. Mm. Everybody was treated like princes and so forth. Yeah. Ah, you get a wee mixture. <laughs> like, I don't you? When we went to Serbia, I don't know if it was through the chef's um, recommendations, but we didn't get the best food either. Yeah. Um, that was our excuse. Um, but we went over and actually didn't do too badly. We got a 1-1 draw and it was very surprising for us after getting the year before 7-0. So yeah. we got the 1-1 draw, we took them back to showgrounds and unfortunately we missed out and I think our team went on to, to beat Sparta Prague in the next round and then mm. could beat by like Poznan by away goals or something so ugh, it was alright but then you think about it if you look in contrast to the 7-0 thumping we went on to have a great season and then yeah. the year was unwell in Europe but we went on to have a not so good season so listen we haven't played Europe this year um, might, be, might be a bad thing I think we need to get, get around each other and galvanise each other again prepare ourselves for a not good season and slowly surely we're making the strides that where we want to be I mean you're you're being very honest about sort of the your younger years, if you like, in your career, where it's the old what we come to know as Irish League behaviour, where let's face it, it's it's all the things that kind of we laugh about, but equally it, it isn't the professional side of the game. Um, do you think as as the league is improving, that sort of behaviour is going out of it, or is it, or is there still elements of that? I I think it's it's completely flipping. It's the most professional I've ever seen it. Um, even if you look at the players, the calibre of players, the calibre of management, the money, most importantly, the, these fellas and all the boards and all the clubs, they aren't putting in this money and to have people with bad attitudes turn up and just do whatever they want. You're getting paid a wage, you have responsibilities, you have standards to hit. And if you don't hit them, like you'll see people get, get released, you'll see people get told not to come back. And, and there is people ready in the wings step in and, and take your place so there is no place for the bad attitudes anymore there's there's even certain players that just need man money a wee bit better maybe an arm around the shoulder that's the approach that most managers are taking nowadays if there is something like that but uh in terms of in terms of bad right bad attitudes usually you'll, you'll not last very long it's I, I do like the fact that you you know you, you do talk about it because people would shy away from it and I would totally understand why they do because you can be embarrassed about previous behaviors and stuff but you know even things and I, I have sympathy because you are not full-time as well but you know like the you're in Europe but it's the only time I can book a holiday 
<laughs> and players missing. And it, it's something that in some ways just... It takes away, I think, sometimes from the achievement of getting to Europe by not being there. But at the same time, if it's the only time you can have a holiday, who who am I or who is anyone to criticise that? Because it's part-time football. The way I, just because I was immature coming through, I used to be like, it's part-time. Why can I not go on holiday, say, November? Why can I not go on holiday in February? And I used to go, like, it's no big deal. I'm missing one game. That's all I used to say, one game. And, and I used to go on my holidays. But even times I used to turn up and not come, or not go to training. Times I used to turn up with no football boots, forgot my football boots, forgot my shin guards. And that's oh. just the wee bad habits that I had. And and Tommy will tell you, Tommy, the story. Jesus, I drove up man insane. And then when I went to Carrick, a guy here, and drove him insane. And then when I went to Warren Point, I started to slowly change it. Um, and now uh, Corinne, I've, I've, uh, I, I joked last night that I booked a holiday at the end of the month just to see how boys would react. But it's like tongue in cheek. I would love to go on one, but as you say, you, you can't do it anymore. You're, you're paid. You're paid a ways to to turn up and, and, and do the business. Love that. It's it's still in you. You're just holding it down better. <laughs> if Warren said there was, a wee, I would love a wee. There should be a winter break. I think. Somewhere or some, just give us a week off just for a holiday. His eyes have lit up. He's going, Al Cooney, look at the price of flights. <laughs> it, mean, it means I don't have to do sunbeds and get slagged every single time I go to no way ground. <laughs> no, fair play to you. Um, let's talk about your teammates then, shall we? I mean, look, there, there's people always talk about, oh, per, big, you know, big personalities are a big part of the game, and, and they talk about, is it the same anymore? There's there's plenty of big personalities in that Korean dressing room. Go ahead, name them. Go. I think I think your captain's one. I think Owen Bradley's definitely another. Yep, I would say that Owen Bradley definitely. He just I don't know. He's actually more laid back than people give him credit for. Um, okay, he has a character on the pitch. He just loves winning. You can see it in him. He's, everything's he fights for every ball. He's a nightmare if you're against him. But I think he's the sort of guy you'd just love to have him in your team. See when he's on it, like you can even see defenders six foot big strong defenders getting through about like and and he has that presence. And when you see he he's on his A game, like you maybe did at Seaview a couple of weeks ago, it just gives everyone else a lift because you know the ball's going to stick. You know he's going to win his free kicks. You know even when his penalties, mm-hmm. whatever else. Um, in terms of personality goes, he wouldn't talk too much. He wouldn't be the one to shout and rail everyone up. He seems to focus on himself and make sure he prepares himself. Um, but then every now and again, he, he would chirp in just to, just to try and help because he is experienced. He is one of the older boys in the squad. Um, so it's that whistle that turns him into an animal for 90 minutes ah, big it? time that's all it is the 90 minutes and then after that he's the most laid back man you'll ever meet a lovely fella Steve O'Donnell's the other the other side he doesn't turn off he's the most chirpiest man you'll ever get he's out injured at the minute and you want to hear the goes him in the change room Tuesday and Thursday at boys but there's big personalities up there but Lyndon Cain's not shy either no, and he's that here. He's fairly stepped up to the captaincy while Stevie's been out. And and Lyndon, Lyndon, he's young, he's um he's coming through, but he he's, he's just a he's just a like a a different person when he's on the pitch. Yeah. He, he's a he's crazy tackles. I, well, I think he was. I'm trying to think. Was he out injured? I remember having an absolute stinker. I was in Bangor, and for whatever reason, I had to try and run a cable about 30 metres over the, the player's entrance out onto the pitch mm-hmm. and try and plug it into the stand, which was just a terrible idea in its own. And then to ask me to do it was even worse. So I was like, "This, I don't have a ladder. How the heck? I mean, what do you think my wingspan is? This is just not going to work. So I was standing on some rickety chair, which is half down a gutter. And I, I just remember getting heckled and I turned around, it was Lyndon Cain. I thought, of course it's Lyndon Cain. He's a chirpy boy. He's a chirpy boy. That was quite funny, that one. Um, but uh, Owen Bradley is the only person I've seen Clyde with the goalpost, and I felt sorry for the goalpost. 
do you, do you remember that really bad injury? Because I was I was scared from then. He, he slid into the post and he'd, he he what did he break his rib or fractured his rib, and there was all the concerns for him. And um, when he came back to the club, and um, I mean that was a scary one. But he, he hit the post so hard that everyone looked, and I just thought if anyone else hit the post with that power, they look at the player. Everyone looked at the goal net, shaking. Oh, that's just typical Owen Bradley. Very rarely he goes down. So when he does go down, yeah. you're you're a bit worried. And we did have him out. For a spell, I think, during that season where he was out for a couple of months. I'm not sure, too sure what injury he had. Um, but when he came back, he gave us that wee lift and he's always a presence. But he, as you say, he's a man, mate. No one wants to play against him. Uh, one of the other big uh, influences, and he was very unfortunate to pick up an injury, was James McLaughlin. Um, I can't speak highly of him. I think every manager in the league, every time I've seen anyone mention his name, they're just saying natural goal scorer. Coleraine still have him to come back into the fold. And... And the way James is, if he plays games, he will score goals. There's no doubt about it. People have seen his talent. People have seen his goal scoring in Corian. Um, we just need to come back on the pitch as, as quickly as possible. Because he was in on goal and he, he chased on the pass. I, I was just wondering when he came off, was he blaming anyone for a heavy pass to make him to make him sprint for it? Or I was Skinner. Uh, I was uh, Balamina. Um, yeah. One nil up. Everything was going so well. Skinner one on one done the, the right thing. Made played pass, it across yeah. to James for a tapping and. And he's pulled his hamstring, and that's what still kept him out. But he he's played minister recently. Um, it wasn't Skinner's pass, I don't think. <laughs> I don't know. I'll not blame Skinner not. No, he done the right so. thing, but uh, it's just unfortunate for James. Just at that time, he he looked like he was coming into re- real good form. No, certainly. Uh, we're going to take a little pause there, and uh, now in the program, we're going to do this. Yes, it's time for Where's Your Head Up, where we look at the weird and wonderful things that have went on in the world of sport. And if we can't figure them out, we just make fun of them. What else would you do? Uh, all makes sense to me. Um, Colin, would you like to start? Yeah, we'll have to start with the England rugby club. Our England rugby team, should I say, from last Saturday. What happened there? We all smiled, did we? Uh, maybe we didn't, I don't know. Did you smile? I did. I laughed. I laughed a lot. And then I had a chat with my neighbour who was walking his dog. And he was a wee bit disgruntled because he wanted England to win. But his daughter and her boyfriend didn't and he was telling me all this whilst he walked the family dog I says well like, no harm Leslie I was chair for South Africa as well <laughs> my granny was born in St Albans in England and so it's nothing anti-English or anything like that it was genuinely uh, do you know what tipped it for me and I, I, I put this online I very rarely I'm critical about people publicly Matt Dawson put an article on the BBC website where he said not one South African would get into the England team ahead of the final and I went is that right? No sweat. Come on, South Africa. And the Springboks absolutely destroyed them. Not yeah. one player would get in. Uh, by the end of that game, you're going, not a single Englishman would walk into the South Africa team. Exactly. So, uh, yes, I, I did enjoy that in the end, just because I don't like... There's nothing wrong with being proud of your team or having belief in your team, but I think as soon as you start getting a bit arrogant before you've actually achieved anything, you're shooting yourself in the foot. And I'm sure he's had more than one slice of humble pie in the week that followed. Um, VAR. Ah... <laughs> VAR. Discuss. What can we say? Um, this week I, I got to commentate on my first game which had VAR and I was a wee bit disappointed that nothing kind of happened. <laughs> I mean, it's a very good game of football between uh, Bayer Leverkusen and Atletico Madrid but there was no, oh, quickly, VAR, what's it going to do? I was like, oh well. 
Uh, maybe that was a relief in some ways, but uh, not everybody's had such a fortuitous week. Uh, Monaco, for example, mm-hmm. uh, one of their players was so upset with a, a VAR decision that when he was exiting the pitch after being sent off controversially, he gave a boot to the <laughs> monitor. You know, the, the monitor which the Premier League referees for some reason aren't allowed to look at. Even though they supposedly are, the chief of referees says they are allowed to look at it and yet none of them all season have. Uh-huh. But anyway, in Europe they certainly do use them. Um, and, and what happened basically was uh, Ruben Aguiar, um, he just summed up how many fans are feeling about the whole thing right now. Uh, right back was filmed kicking the pitch side monitor after being sent off during a side's 1-0 defeat against the uh, on on Sunday night. And I mean, obviously, he, he shouldn't do that and all the rest of it, but it does sum up the frustration that everybody has with VAR, where referees, with the help of video replays, are actually still getting things wrong, and things that they just shouldn't get wrong once they've seen it again. Just don't get VAR at all. You know my sort of stance are completely opposed. I think it's just making a mockery of the game. Every week it's going past that there's always something comes up, and that's not right, that's not right. It's just not happening at all. Don't know what Aaron thinks in VR. Would you be in favour of coming Irish League step? I see proper old school footballers will always say that they don't want it. They want the linesman and, and the referee to have their own responsibilities and make their own calls. But nowadays there's, there's that much money and business on the line that they, they want to make sure that the right calls are made and, and the big occasions. Especially like the likes of Champions League football and stuff. I can have a big impact on clubs financially. So I, I am for it. But at the same time, if it's not going to work and it's going to continue just to bring up controversy after controversy, then I don't know, they're going to have to reevaluate it. Do you remember people said VAR would make the game really boring? <laughs> it certainly hasn't done It's all the talk about. It's, it's all, all the talk about. Every single week, it is, it is slowly suffocating football, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you keep going, well, how have they seen this one and not that one? I wonder if the problem might be that the VAR officials aren't as good as the referees. I think it's a wee bit like you look at it. Say in the last kick of the game, you go on to score a goal and and like you, it's a big say Champions League final, and the fans are going crazy. Everyone's going crazy for two three minutes and then it just gets pulled back and, and then it's it, the plugs pulled and you're just thinking those memories and everything else you have for you just all squashed and then Raheem Sterling. Yeah, you know that one, and I suppose the other side of it is if it's the correct decision, you can sort of stomach it. But when it's like the Hyungmin Sun red card where you're going, I don't think anybody thought he should have been sent off. You know, he, he initially trips the player. It's the, the secondary collision not involving him that causes the very unfortunate uh, fracture. And yet he's the one that goes, and they watch it back, and they try to justify it before eventually, days later, overturning it. And you're thinking, look, if you can't apply the laws of the game properly when you're watching it back, we're snookered. What chance do we have? Well, the referee pulls out the yellow card. That's his first initial thought. Yeah. So just because of the extent of the injury doesn't necessarily mean that there has to be a red card it's just unfortunate tangle the way it worked out but referees should know when it comes to tackles nine times out of ten they're going to get it right penalties and stuff are different so i think the yellow card should just stick the, the thing there as well is martin atkinson got an awful lot of abuse for that he got the right decision i think people are missing that he got the right decision his var who has replays which he doesn't <laughs> got it wrong and he yeah. had to trust the people with the replays because that's what they're meant to be there for it's just not working whatsoever to be honest it's total farce I mean it seems every game you watch is more or less some some sort of controversial decision comes up in it. So I'm just glad we don't have it <laughs> yeah, I, I suspect there might not be budget for VAR in the in the short term uh, in terms of that uh, what else would you put in this week Colin? 
um, the Chelsea match against Ajax first of all was completely crazy I do have to admit put myself in there because when we were 4-1 down I thought ah, I'm not watching any more of this and stopped watching and no, put it back didn't. on no, you with didn't. 10 minutes to go to see the referee you're a disgrace like you're an absolute yeah, disgrace what? I'm sorry that is disgusting and you support <laughs> Chelsea Colm yes, uh, and you start watching your own yeah. team no way I was embarrassed at 4-1 I, I, I have through various stages of my life watched my team in all sorts of just unattractive fury I mean really I remember as a kid gurning my eyes out Man United were losing 5-0 against Newcastle I mean I was properly crying and I still watch them my dad's like you're, you're watching this you're still crying now I, I know I know but you know <laughs> it, but there's no way I was never turning it I was never turning it off can't believe it well, one of those things I had work to do on the studies program. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. But I yeah. do. He wasn't busy when they had a chance. So. I did see the the, <laughs> the the meme that popped up with Kepa sort of facing the ball into the net. That was an interesting yeah. one. And I seen Mitchue Batchue obviously jumped in the following day to say welcome to the meme club. Yeah. If you remember, he was quite a popular meme for missing an absolute sitter a couple of seasons ago. So uh, interesting one. Um, but, uh, well done, man. Well boys and blue. Sorry for not watching the end of the game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Man United have to go in again, don't they? Because people were getting their hopes up after a couple of decent performances, and I know they they beat Partizan Belgrade, but um, losing against Bournemouth, going back to being a bit toothless up top, uh, it's a, it's another poor performance. It'll be interesting to see how things go there. Um, Arsenal don't seem to be much better. Granite Xhaka stripped of the captaincy. Rumours that he could be on his way out in January. It doesn't look good for him either. No, no, I'd say he looks good. He could be on his way come come January. Once you strip the captaincy of somebody, it's very, very hard to, to come back from that, I would suspect. I think we could be watching the, the last days of Unai Emery. And the reason I say that is because Unai Emery didn't have the capacity to pick his own captain. He did a player poll, which is... Mm. I don't like that, if I'm being totally honest. I think it shows weakness. Um, and that sound, I'll, oh, it's very harsh. And I think it shows weakness. So we asked the players to pick. The players pick Granite Xhaka. And after his first misdemeanor, which was a fairly big one, I suppose, he gets stripped of it. And they go, right, we'll give it to Aubameyang. Well, you know, well, now you're making choices. Or did the players, did they do another poll? Or did he come runner-up in the last one? I mean, what, is it, is it X-Factor? I just don't understand that. And I, I think that we're, we are seeing the unravelling of a man who probably um, is uh, not going to be there in the long term. Do you think that's fair to say? Yeah, I would suspect so. Interesting you mentioned Arsenal um, in terms of Arsenal. Arsene Wenger being linked to the Northern Ireland job. I think that was an interesting where's your head at. Can you imagine it? No? Arsene Wenger's green and white army? No. I don't mm. think he'll see it. I don't think that'll happen. Uh, somehow, um, he's been linked to everybody at the moment, Arsene Wenger. <laughs> Maybe he'll turn up at the Whites. Well, well that's true. Strange things have happened. <laughs> uh, anything else to throw in there this week? One which is absolutely not football related whatsoever, but there was a, a, something on in Good Morning Britain, one of those shows earlier on this morning where Kurt came on and suggesting that we should stop clapping at theatres. We should yeah. actually use jazz hands because obviously people with maybe sensitive hearing were being offended by people clapping at theatres. Wow. And I thought, what? No, <laughs> what is no, this no. world going to? I'll tell, you, I'll tell you how bad things got. I, I um, Here, come get the violins out, lads. I, I wasn't feeling well on Tuesday, right? So I had a wee, like, duvet day, okay? And I was watching the Swimming on UTV Plus One. <laughs> <laughs> and he's laughing at me that's, not watching the Chelsea no, match and he's no, no. watching topics of conversation coming up on that do you yeah. know what I mean mm-hmm. I, and you're, I was sitting watching it it was on wh- plus one it wasn't even live it was no, actually plus no, one oh, so. I was, you know when mm. you're not well 
and what you have to do is you have to watch and I'm sorry for the people that actually work in this program because obviously they have an audience and they, they win awards and stuff but you need something that you don't need to concentrate on when you're not feeling very well you just need to put background noise on so like I wasn't Holmes under the hammer sick, but I was like, I'll put this woman on, do you know what I mean? And um, Ruth Langford, great presenter, was watching that. But one of the topics was, uh, are you single? Right? So are you single? What about sharing your mate's husband? <laughs> and I thought, I'm either so sick that I've imagined that, or this is actually being discussed on national television. And so from me watching it, as it were, as your head at, fair enough, hands up and all that. But honest to goodness, that is a conversation starter. Uh, you still single, are you? Aye, what is you? Uh, do you fancy the husband? What? <laughs> who? Who? Uh, who? In daytime TV. Aye, who even has that conversation? Uh, text in. No, please don't. Uh, Colin's that- looking for an application <laughs> for me. <laughs> Are you a generous husband? <laughs> I'm just concerned you put it on sort of a the series record after as a result of that. <laughs> I was I was sending messages to Eamon going, uh, is your wife any uh, contacts there for that? <laughs> uh, no, that was uh, that was very very strange. The other and my final words you're head at is uh, this morning it took me two and a half hours to get the Lisburn from Carrick. That, that upset me greatly. Oh. Isn't that very sad? I, right. I hate traffic. Now, there was a, a collision. I hope everybody involved in it is okay. I haven't heard any more about that. But um, th- it was just a lack of detours. You know, when you, you think when there's a road closure, they'll put wee signs out and tell you, go this way. Mm-hmm. There was none of that, and everybody was just making it up as they went along, including yours truly. And I sat in Monkstown, lovely though it was, for a very, very long time. So uh, I'm just glad I'm here for the show. Glad you made it. Thank you. Uh, anything else to put in before we tie a ribbon around it? I think it's my lot unless Aaron wants to add No, all good boys, yeah. There we go. Uh, uh, neatly done, as always. That was Where's Your Head At? here on The Score. Yeah, I look forward to Twitter after it meant I watched Loose Women and went and watched it on Plus One, you know, like like I missed it, so I went back. <laughs> and on Series Link. What are the girls talking about today? <laughs> uh, right, um, we're fastly run towards the end of this hour. Aaron, um, I have to talk to you about the, the upcoming game, Glenavon, your next opponents. I'm sure you're looking forward to it. Okay, it's another home game for us. Um, Glenavon looked like they were getting a few boys back from, from injury, so... We we've had plenty of ding dongs with them over the last couple of years, and I wouldn't say they're a bogey team, but they just they they give us good as they've got. Um, and it's, it's going to be a tough one, and especially with Alexa Clinwell playing more in point and stuff like that. So we need to make sure we're on our A game tomorrow. Um, everybody else is now weighing in with their opinions on who's going to win the league, who's going to finish X, Y, and Z. Uh, do you do you talk about being first, challenging for titles at this stage? No, uh, and I mean that honestly, hand on heart. Wait, I actually don't talk about being top. Um, we enjoy it. I think secretly inside, individually, we all have a look at the table. We all read the articles, and and you do you do like it. I I, I love like reading the articles about Korean. Um, and it's nice to get praise and stuff like that. So, I think individually we do collectively. No one's talked about it. Owen certainly hasn't talked about it. Um, we know we've been here before. Like it's just a good start. It doesn't mean you're going to get anything at the end of it. So. Um, We'll just take every game as it comes. The old cliche, it's born to hear, but come Christmas or come February, March, then maybe we can we can start talking about it a wee bit more. In terms of this season, I mean, obviously, it looks like we've talked already about the top five. It looks like the title could well be decided by the results against other clubs within that top five. I mean, you've obviously now played Linfield twice, defeated them twice, Crusaders twice, defeated them twice. 
I put you in a good good driving position. Hundred percent. Um, those results against those top teams are massive. They're they're many six pointers when you think about it. Um, to beat Crusaders twice, to beat Linfield is 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 a big achievement for a club like us. And but to to think about it, if Linfield win their two games in hand, they're they're still a point ahead of us, and yeah. and Crusaders are three points behind us. So they are great results, but it just goes to show you like. They're they're right, they're hot on your heels no, no matter who who you are and 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 who you're playing against. There's there's teams always there picking up victories and we we know in the stretch against the top teams that we're going to need every point against them. The bottom yeah. teams we can't afford the the, the draw the way we have been drawn and and I just hope we we can can keep this momentum going for as long as possible. Does the unbeaten run does that that I mean. I know it's only one game at a time and all that, but mm-hmm. does that add more pressure? You're thinking to yourself, let's keep this unbeaten run going, or is you know, is it put more pressure on us? Does it give you something to sort of work on? I think we flip it instead of saying let's not get beat. I think we just think we we need to win, um, and when you've got that, we need to win. We need these three points. Nearly your secondary option is to draw. It's not like oh don't get beat, so you're already going to thinking oh a draw is not too bad here, mm. um, and that's just the way like the unbeaten run. Last the last time when we went to Linfield and they beat us during that season where we were only beat once, we were nearly glad it was over and done with so people could stop talking about it and then we could just go into every game and not worry mm-hmm. about an unbeaten run. At the minute we do have one. Um it's good to have it, but like it, it it's not, probably not gonna last forever, like so mm-hmm. it's just a, a matter of time until we do taste the defeat. Hopefully it's further on down the line. I mean we have obviously talked earlier on the show about the fact that just a couple of seasons ago you went right through the season only lost one game and yet still couldn't clinch the title does that sort of make you think from that sort of viewpoint we need to be going right through without, without defeating it's crazy I don't know if a team's ever went a full season and only could beat once and not won the title um, I don't especially think in Irish league terms I, I definitely don't think it's happening and to be on on the other side of that and actually have it done to you it's, it's a hard pill to swallow and as you say this year there's it looks like the top teams are going to beat the bottom teams, especially like the Linfield mm. Crusaders a lot. They're not going to drop many points. So if you're if you're losing more than four or five games, I think you're not going to have a chance to win the league. Um, you just have to keep them down to the bare minimum. That's obvious, I know. I know it's, it's very cliche and stuff, but I, I think I've, I've seen years going by where, where a team that's won it could beat maybe six or seven times. Yeah. It's not going to happen right. this year. The, no. the standard's too high. Um, the bar's set too high and the likes of Linfield Crusaders... If you can keep in touch with them boys towards the last games this season, then then you're doing brilliant because financially we're in a different world. Um, but on the pitch, eleven against eleven, we're we're as good as them. Like I think anyway. Yeah, I think the split's still happening this year, even though it's not. You know, yeah, so I mean, uh, for me, I think the league could well be decided over those games because it's going to be so much to play for for all the teams in the top half of the table. It's and and that battle for the middle of the table. I mean. It's not something that you usually pay attention to, but I think this season everyone's going to be going. Are Lauren making the top six? Are Balamina making the? T-? You know, who, someone has to miss out. A big club is going to have to miss out, and I know that's the way it always is. But it it feels like we're in a league now where there's more big clubs than not, mm-hmm. which maybe we haven't been able to say in previous years. So it even makes that tussle for the centre spots, let alone the higher uh, positions, all the more interesting. And just before we go, I, I, I'm aware Mr Jimmy Nesbitt's been on holidays recently because a mate of mine bumped into him. Very strange, but very true. Discovered this over in Indian the other night. Someone, hey, Joey, I saw it and whatever. Uh, I'll, I'll say no more on that. But uh, what's it like having someone like Jimmy Nesbitt around the club? I mean, does does he ever pop into the changing room? He did it on cup final day, he actually did. And we were we were all joking. Um, <laughs> we were going to Magaluf, I think, a couple of weeks later and we were trying to get him to book his flights and the song and all <laughs> cracked out and every 30, 40 people were singing Jimmy, Jimmy Booker 
your flights. <laughs> and um, it was good crack. You sit and singing the song with us and stuff. So they have a presence like that come in the change room and he, and it's not fake. It's not like he's no. coming in and he's cheering and he's singing and he's smiling. He's putting it all on. For Corrine to get where where we were at, the, he enjoyed it just as much as the rest of us. He was at the the last game of the season against Glenavon as well, and it, it's it's weird. He's running about and the TV cameras were on him and stuff like that. And he you thought he wanted himself. Do you know what I mean? And <laughs> no, honestly, you thought he wanted himself. Chairman. And I think his daddy's a big big Corrine fan. Um, I know he's come in the change room a couple of times, especially when I wasn't there. They got to the cup final the year before, and his daddy's been about the change room and it, and. It, it means so much to us seeing characters like that like and they're big big names don't get me wrong in the world of media and stuff like that um, and it, it's brilliant to see and, and hopefully you can swing back around and say <laughs> call in an order him uh, yeah I'm sure it'll, it'll also mean things are going well if he's if he's coming in for that get you over the line final pep talk or, or we'll, whatever we we'll might get him to Magaluf one day I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I know because um, I I have to say, uh, I've seen him a few times at the showground, spoken to him on occasions, and um, one of the things that stood out for me is exactly what you're saying, is that he does genuinely take an interest in the team, because I think the first time I saw him at a game, I was going, well, look, you know, sometimes when things are going good, you, you get these sort of things, but it, but it was sort of that initial thought was proven wrong after a conversation with him, when he was telling me about different players and how they've been doing and how they've been looking and what he thinks is needed and you go he's actually really invested in this team being successful which is a which is a nice thing for him because it shows he hasn't really forgotten his roots exactly 100% genuine genuine supporter and as you've seen he hasn't forgot his roots and he I'd say if he has a few weeks um, he's a busy man he <laughs> may swing by the showgrounds every now and again and I think his daddy's the one that reinforces that passion for colouring and, and both of them are more than welcome down to showgrounds at any time and Jimmy Aaron is busting for holiday <laughs> <laughs> I've mentioned Michael Lou for mentioning holidays the way throughout here oh, hopefully Owen gets a hint and gives me a week break <laughs> so there we go Jimmy book the flights uh, Aaron Trainer, it's been fantastic having you on the show thanks so much for coming in no worries boys. it's been a pleasure thank you for listening to the Score NI podcast with me Michael Clark we're back live with the whole show on Lisburn's 98FM and Bangor FM on Friday from 1pm or you can subscribe to our podcast today to listen back to the first star each week at your convenience. And in the meantime, keep in touch via our Facebook and Twitter feeds. We hope you can join us for the next episode.